Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Lisa Bing. Lisa is uh, with Bing Consulting Group, and she stands out for her ability to simplify the complex and rapidly drive dramatic results. She's an organizational strategist and leadership expert who helps leaders and executives transform teams and accelerate strategy implementations. She's worked with hundreds of leaders and executives across industries and from over 25 countries, and she's been called an avatar for improving adult performance rapidly and dramatically. Welcome, Lisa. Well, thank you, Linda. It's great to be here. So today we're going to talk about collaboration uh, and why that's so important. So first of all, what is collaboration and, and why should we care about it? Well, when I think about collaboration, I've coined the term, it's a double-edged sharing, double-edged sharing. And what I mean by that is there has to be a willingness to share, whether it's ideas, resources, and power, and there has to be a willingness to accept help. So if I have all the ideas and I'm trying to get you to listen to what I have to to say and my advice, but if there's no openness on your part, there's no there's no collaboration. Um, so why does it matter? Well, in today's world, particularly as it's getting smaller and smaller from a global standpoint, as well as the pressure for um, on companies um, uh, in terms of competition and so forth, what I've noticed is that there is a, an increasing pressure for marketing, public relations, and sales to really work more collaboratively together. What that means is they need to be um, their strategies and their activities uh, need to be aligned, so that if public relations is is doing a story about a bank in the community that's serving young people, uh, but it's not reaching the target audience that the marketing department has identified, there's potential for a disconnect, which ultimately ends up in the sales, um, impacting sales, because now you're not able to reach your buyers. So that link between marketing, who are our Uh, what is the value, who's the audience, how we get there, public relations, what's the story we're telling, how that feeds brand, and then sales, how do we now, do we now have a market of um, of potential buyers to go out and um, engage with? So particularly in the marketing, um, public relations, sales arena, um, collaboration, you can't do your work without collaborating, whether it's internally externally um, and with clients. You're absolutely right. And and I think now we have new tools for collaboration. We have new ways to do that. But still we have organizations that don't collaborate the way they should. So we have, I guess, collaboration killers and, and things that get in our way. What are those and how do we get around them? Yeah, there are some definite collaboration killers that I have observed. Um, three in particular. One, a lack of trust. If the people that you're partnering with, working with, 
don't fundamentally trust you or you trust them. There's no contract in the world that's going to make that right, um, and that's going to be a problem. If there's a lack of credibility, if I don't really believe that you can deliver or deliver at the level that I would expect, collaboration is likely to suffer. And thirdly, there are some workplace practices and policies that just fundamentally uh, kill any potential for collaboration. And those are compensation structures. For example, if individuals are rewarded for their contribution and not uh, collaborative um, projects or, or outcomes, people are not people are smart. They're going to do what gets rewarded. So right. the, the individual will stand out. And also, um, you know, what is what is rewarded or what is held in high regard? Um, you know, do you have a collection of, MB, of MVPs, most valuable players, or as the leader, are you really looking to um, to promote the behavior you're, you want by holding up those those teams and groups that really work collaboratively? So that's great, and I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, without trust, we don't go anywhere. And certainly right. if you're not credible, I don't want to collaborate with you. But I think the workplace um, policies is, is really critical because you're right. People people do what they're compensated to do. And if they're not compensated on working together as a group, um, then we get into trouble. So right. given that, what are some of the best practices that leaders are doing to create collaboration? Sure. Well, let, let me just take a step back also for a second before I talk about that and um, suggest here's how you know when collaboration is happening. Ah, that's a good um, point. Okay. Right? So, you know, these are some killers, and here's how you know when it's happening. Um, number one, you feel like somebody has your back. You know, you don't feel like you're out there by yourself, whether it's on a small scale, um, if you can't attend a meeting and someone, you know, happily steps in for you or provides a resource that you need, or whether it's on a bigger issue. Um, where you're working as part of a group, you may be the ideas person. Writing may not be your strength, but one of your partners. And there isn't any tension or uh, untowards that one is doing you know, more of the ideas than the other writing. I had an example of this working on a board, um, one of the boards that I serve on. And I was leading the performance management process for the, uh, for the president. And there were three of us working collaboratively. Um, everybody has a different day job. And it was a beautiful process. And it was very easy and simple, and the result was tremendous. Um, I had my role. There was someone who was really, really good at the writing and kept us moving on the writing. Nobody got bogged down in language or the minutia. Um, we were very clear about the outcome and somebody else was very clear in terms of providing all of the support and, and the logistics that we needed to make this happen. So that's number one. Somebody has your back, and you don't feel like you have to do carry the burden all on your own. Number two, others' needs matter. Others' needs matter. Got <laughs> so it. it's, it's not all about you. Um, and you are conscious of what matters to other people, and you know that others are thinking about your needs and finding ways actively to get all of those needs met to the extent that's possible. Um, 
So something as simple as a meeting start time. I've been in, in many groups and boards where, you know, there needs to be a very early morning meeting and somebody in the group has, people have morning responsibilities and it's difficult to make that happen. Um, is there real consideration for starting the meeting at 9 or 9.30 versus 8 or 8.30? And the other key in all of this is that people are not complaining or making judgments about the others because of some accommodation uh, right. that they don't necessarily agree with. So, number one, somebody has your back. Number two, others' needs matter beyond yours. And number three, they're sharing that's happening. You, um, you are sharing ideas. You can go to someone else. I can come to you and, and, and um, you can help me flesh out an idea or give me something that I hadn't thought about. Sharing of resources, whether it's space, whether it's people, uh, whether it's money, you know, I talked about uh, marketing and public relations. Are those executives coming together to share their budgets to make, um, to realize some sales, you know, to help support sales? And then power. You know, the, um, in the news right now, there's the big story about the, the breakdown of the, the potential merger between Omnicon and Publicis, an right. American company and a French company. And one of the key uh, reasons for the breakdown was corporate culture, and they just couldn't share power. So it has a tremendous um, impact. So you know it's happening when there's sharing going on, um, when you, somebody has your back, and when it's not just about, about you. So what are some best practices? Very simply put, the three, three main practices. Number one, clarity. Is there clarity of expectation? Is there clarity of direction? Do people are people clear about their roles? And this is a huge one that that, that causes breakdowns. I'll come back to that in a little bit. Number two is dialogue and communication. Uh, people talk to each other all the time, but they're really not their their messages and their ideas are not really landing on each other. So being able to um, to dialogue, which is um, really a balance between telling and asking. And then thirdly, are you inspiring people to want to work together? Um, if it's more, if I feel it's more advantageous for me to do something by myself, then what's the point? Right. So, um, so I think those three things, really getting clear, what are the outcomes? What are the targets we need to hit? What are the goals? And being able to dialogue, and I've mentioned this balance between telling and asking. If there's too much telling going on, people shut down because it feels very directive, and then my ideas and, and opinions don't count. If there's too much asking going on, I don't know what's, what you're thinking, and that can erode trust. But when, pardon me, when there's a balance between you, I'm sharing what I'm thinking, I'm genuinely interested following the principle of um, Stephen Covey, seeking mm -hmm. to understand and then be understood. I'm really interested in your point of view. Um, and then we start to, to find some, some common space. And then uh, inspiration, you know, being inspiring, making it fun. I think sometimes people take themselves way too seriously. I do advocate taking the work seriously but not yourself. Um, and are the goals that you're setting big enough to get people excited? 
um, are you talking about just increasing, you know, this year we made a we need to hit um, 100,000 and next year it's going to be 150,000? Or are you talking about having some impact on the way people live, work, and play? Um, are you talking about having an impact on the community and really changing something um, that matters, that people can get excited about? So I think those are three best practices that leaders really um, can keep in mind. Clarity, uh, is everyone clear, not just in your head, but uh, are you sure that those who you're working with and collaborating with all have the same interpretation of the expectation, the goal, the vision, whatever it is, um, and are they clear about their roles in the process? Do you have a way of balancing what telling and asking so that there's a, a, a good flow and mix of, of um, ideas, opinions, and needs? And thirdly, are you providing some inspiration for people to, to want to, you know, to come out and play? That makes sense. Clarity, dialogue, and inspiration. So, so certainly it all sounds very simple, but we know that in, in real life it doesn't happen the way it should. So amongst the leaders that you've worked with who are really successful in creating collaborative workspaces, um, what do you think are some of the skills and traits that, that kind of set them apart? Sure. Um, and this is a big one. And, and, you know, I think the first step is, is to make things simple so that people can get their hands around it. And so while it may be simple, you're right, and not, it's not always easy. So some traits. Number one, you need to be trustworthy. Do you say what you do you do what you say you're, you'll do, and do you not do <laughs> what you say you won't do? That's just as important, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is just as important. And I think another another element of being trustworthy is particularly when there may be competing needs and someone feels that they've compromised or they're having to make an adjustment or do something that wouldn't necessarily be their natural choice. Are you judging people? Are you talking about people behind their backs? Are you complaining? Um, <clears throat> these are These are all behaviors that can undermine trust. Uh, someone came to me recently about um, a mutual a mutual friend uh, and felt that the friend in common had thrown them under the bus. Um, so we have to be careful about that. Being trustworthy is really, really important. Uh, number two is being flexible. Um, and particularly as the leader, if you accept that your role as the leader is really the facilitator of collaboration so that it is your job to make it easy for others to work together and accomplish the things they need to do. That means it's really not all about you as the right. leader. Um, so you need to be flexible and realize that you know all roads lead to Rome, <clears throat> and when you're clear on the target, it's easier to manage. And, and thirdly, your emotional intelligence really, really comes into play here because collaboration is all about building relationships. Um, it's all about working with people, people with from different backgrounds, needs, etc. And the leader really needs to have a keen sense of self-awareness to be able to manage his or her, um, him or her, her emotions, and you know to be able to make others feel at ease and to build relationships. 
So that emotional intelligence skill is really, I mean, it, I just don't see how it's workable without it. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So you've got to be trustworthy, you've got to be flexible, and you've got to be, and that emotional intelligence, I think, is what lets you uh, be conscious of other people, and it's not all about you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And it also is a way of um, leaders who are, who are emotionally intelligent are able to really get the best out of their talent and their people. Sometimes people are in a spot that's just not well matched for them. Um, If they are, I mean, I've been in situations where uh, I was responsible for for data. I remember one of my early jobs at Prudential, and I was a management intern in a um, financial area, and after leaving a meeting I heard someone say, well, she's very nice, but she's not very accurate. (laughs) So... Not my strong suit. So I never would have survived, uh, I never would have done well in a, in a job that requires high levels of ac- accuracy and what have you. However, engaging people, and I was selected for projects um, that were pretty high visible and high impact, starting new, um, new businesses and, and so forth within the, the company, um, because of my ability to engage people, to get other people excited, to be able to create something from nothing. <clears throat> so part of collaboration also means, uh, part of uh, for a leader creating a collaborative environment is being able to have the emotional intelligence to extract the best from uh, from their 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 folks, whether or not um, from those who are really clear and upfront about their skill sets and and interest, as well as those who may not feel as comfortable or not be as aware. So for the leader to be able to uh, appropriately match people with roles um, will really go a long way in the, uh, <clears throat> in the collaborative, uh, towards successful collaboration. And a big part of that is emotional intelligence. That's, that's absolutely true. And, and uh, Elise, I want, if I can ask you, you are you've just created a really interesting program around collaboration and teamwork that um that I'd love for you to talk a little bit about. Um you're located in Brooklyn right. and you've been working with the Brooklyn Cyclones which are a minor league baseball team. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the kind of leadership and collaboration program that you've got um set up that that you're working with the Cyclones on. Sure. Well, and thanks for asking. That's one of the exciting new things coming up um coming up this summer. Uh, number one, the collaboration between the Brooklyn Cyclones and me, a, a small business here in Brooklyn, doesn't seem like a, a natural fit. Um, but the Cyclones general manager, Steve Cohen, called and said, look, I've got an idea for how we might be able to use the field in some in a different way um, by providing team building and um, um opportunities for for companies. And I thought you would be the perfect person to come in and actually, you know, lead those um lead those sessions and create some workshops around it. So essentially people will come out to the field, they get to play on the iconic Brooklyn Cyclones field um at um that's right on the Coney Island boardwalk. You literally are on the beach. Um you play on the field, you have a barbecue, and then you get to spend some time with me really um, ferreting out 
the leadership and team lessons um, that you can take back to the workplace. So it's an opportunity for for companies, for nonprofits, for any workplace um, group to come and play and build their skills for the workplace. What fun. I mean, we think about some of these leadership offsites as being dull and boring, but definitely not. That's true. Uh, you, get to be you get to be on the beach. <laughs> you get to be on the baseball field. You get to be the baseball field, and then afterwards, if you want, you can go ride on the cyclone. Oh well, that that, right that did it for me. Okay, <laughs> we've been talking with Lisa Bing of Bing Consulting Group. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. Okay, you can find out more about Lisa at BingConsulting.biz. B-I-Z. Uh, and, uh, again, um, Lisa pr- provides leadership for extraordinary results. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.